Do you know how you can go through life making assumptions about how things are and what is true? Maybe if you're like me, sometimes you just take it for granted and you don't question everything. I know some folks in our tradition are really good at doing that. I'm probably not one of them. But then something happens and you think, huh, is that the way it is, the way I always thought it was? Something causes you to have to redraw your map. Well, for many, many years without thinking about it, I imagined the spiritual life as like a journey. And I embraced this image wholeheartedly of heading out like on an adventure, headed out towards parts unknown. Journey or pilgrimage has been the dominant metaphor for the spiritual life for a long time. And not only that, it's been this image that so many people put out there for human growth, right? From the start, our nation, at least from the start of white people coming here, not from the real start, but from that time, in our bones has been this spirit of exploration. Do you remember the rallying cry of westward expansion from the mid-1800s? It was, go west, young man. Deep in our bones, we do have this impulse toward leave-taking, getting on a path heading somewhere, way over yonder, Carol King sang. And this image informs another favorite poem by Mary Oliver that she calls The Journey. One day you finally knew what you had to do and began, though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice. I especially love her mental picture of what the start of a journey can be like, she wrote, It was already late enough, and a wild night, and the road full of fallen branches and stones. Anybody know what that feels like? Mm -hmm. So I embraced these images of journey and the idea that the spiritual life will lead us to places we didn't plan to go. And when I felt lost, I was comforted by Thomas Merton's prayer in which he confesses that he has no idea where he is going, but still he trusts that you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. I even saw my theological education as a journey. I was leaving my previous life behind me, at least the professional side, and heading off to divinity school. But while I was there, I happened to read an essay which helped me to see that journey at best is only half of the story. That there is a companion metaphor 
for the spiritual life, which offers a balance to that call to always be heading off somewhere. And that is the call to come home. To come home. We live in a time and in a culture that tells us when things get tough, it's time to pick up and leave, right? Jimmy Buffett, changes in latitudes, changes in attitudes. Change your surroundings and things are going to get better, which can be easier, of course, than staying put and facing the harsh reality right at home, the reality that maybe it's we ourselves that need to change and not our location. Maybe we need to stay put and work on things right where we are rather than run away from trouble. I'll have more to say about this next Sunday. For now, let's talk about home, which happens to be our theme for this whole month of November. And so I wonder, when you hear the word home, what comes to mind? Take a moment and wonder about that. Let images and feelings rise up in you. Home. Home. I don't know a more evocative word or theme than home, or a more complicated one. Home is a place, certainly, or multiple places, or the memory of a place, and the sights and sounds and smells and stories and people that go with that place. Whether they are happy memories or not, we are formed by what happens in our early years, where we lived and with whom. My childhood home in North Carolina was idyllic in some ways. Playing ball with the kids in our neighborhood out in the street, exploring the woods and the creek nearby. I still have this memory and this image of one day, one warm summer day, us kids sitting under this spreading oak tree, lying on the grass, probably for hours. And at some point in time when kids started realizing, well, it's time to head for home, much later I remembered a pang, a pit that I felt in my stomach. Because our house held tensions that back then I didn't understand. My father was emotionally absent and oftentimes physically absent too. And now I see that my mom seemed unfulfilled and frustrated in her life as a mother and housewife. She told our, her kids, the three of us one time, I was a person before I was a mother. And of course, none of us believed her at all. When I was five or six, my parents bought a rundown farm an hour away from where we lived. 
It was fields and woods, a creek, a pond. It had a tractor. My brother and I went there most Saturdays with our dad, and we loved it. We would wander that land and just feel free being there. Some years later, when my dad got in financial trouble, that farm had to be sold. And so I've never been back, though every now and then I do look down on it via Google Earth. And still, when I read a story, I find myself picturing those fields and that particular dirt road and that pond. That land still occupies a place in my imagination. It lives in my memory, and it feels more like home to me than the house I grew up in. I've lived in New England now longer than anywhere else, and I feel at home here. But put on a recording of James Taylor's going to Carolina in my mind, and that song takes me right back to a rural Highway 54 heading back to Chapel Hill where I went to college and it's Sunday night and the moon is rising over rural North Carolina and I miss that place and I miss that time. And we each have these stories and these memories, right? Of home, of places and people that have shaped us and formed us, and we carry them with us, whether we are aware of that or not. So this month, why don't you do yourself a favor and take some time to remember some of the places that you have called home? Take some time to write down some of your memories or tell, tell someone a story about a home that you knew, something that you still carry with you. Because you can go back there in your mind, and it's good to be in touch with those places where you felt at home. I'm not suggesting that we spend this month looking backward but it's good to know where you have come from. It's important to be in touch with what feeds your own soul so you can be at home with yourself wherever you are. That's the goal, right? We live in a time and in a culture that seems determined to pull us off center that seems bent on distracting us with shiny objects or trying to get us upset about what the newest news is today. But underneath all the noise, there is a deeper voice, 
that points us toward our desire for what is good and true and holy. We are, as we sang earlier, longing, thirsty souls. And what we are longing for is home. And this is not a going backward at all. We heard this in the reading from Hebrews this morning about those ancient heroes of the faith who confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth. Anybody ever feel that way? For people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land they had left behind, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. Home is not just a place. It's an idea and an ideal. It's what we are seeking after and it's what we are made for to be in the companionship of human community and in the presence of that which is sacred, where we feel at home. And when you find yourself there, you don't want or need to go anywhere else. Many of us grew up with a work ethic that taught us that nothing good comes except by struggle. And the harder you work, the more likely you are to find success and happiness. Right? Yes. I'm all for commitment and hard work and struggle even. But the older I get, the more I hear a different voice a quiet, subtle, but insistent voice that says, slow down, be still. Why are you in such a hurry? Savor this moment, be here now. The trouble with having journey as your primary image for the spiritual life is that you're always going somewhere rather than being here, rather than being present and receiving the gifts of this moment and this day. I'm not going to throw away the image or the idea of journey, but what if we let journey be balanced and be tempered by home? What if our striving was balanced by rest? What if our activism was informed by contemplation? What if our work was nourished by enough play? What if the goal of all our journeying is to find our way home? Mary Oliver certainly knew something about the journey away from hurt and suffering, that life-saving journey. But she also knew about the journey home. You do not have to be good, she wrote, 
You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese high in the clean blue air are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of things. My spiritual companions, as Ram Das said, we are all just walking each other home. We are all just walking each other home. We are here to help one another find our way to that place of longing and liberation and belonging. That's where we're bound. May this be our song and our prayer. Come and go with me to that land where we're bound. Amen.